I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. Another week of baseball here on Odyssey Sports. You are listening to Big Time Baseball, the Odyssey Sports original. I'm Cody Decker, former professional baseball player turned professional smartass on the radio. And with me, as always, the one and only, the great Tony Gwynn Jr. He's a baseball player. He's an analyst. He's a play-by-play guy. He's a radio host, and he's my co-host today on Big Time Baseball. There's nothing Tony Gwynn Jr. can't do. What's up, baby? Cody, what's good, man? I mean, we got a lot to talk about. Trade deadline is on its way Friday, and we're already off and running on this trade deadline. Some pretty good moves, I think, for some teams early on. A little earlier than I expected. I expected to kind of all be bottlenecked at the end, but teams are getting loose, man. I think they are feeling the uh, the vibes of trying to get into this playoff. You're not lying. We got a lot of that to cover today. We got trades, 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 good ones, big ones, huge names still out there, Tony. And I'm really excited to get your take, my take, figure out exactly who we think. We're going to play a little bit of GM today. We're going to see who's going to go where in our wonderful fantasy world of baseball that is also really, really filled with reality. But today we got to start with one thing, and it was a big announcement last week, Tony. The Cleveland Guardians are yes, a thing. Sir. <laughs> they are officially a thing. Cleveland Indians after long, long, long time. And quite frankly, let's not let's not uh, bury this at all. A lot of controversy. They are finally changing their name to a new name and they chose the Guardians. And I got to say, at first, it caught me off guard because I thought the announcement in the middle of the season kind of kind of came out of nowhere to me. I was, you know, I would expect maybe more of a buildup, you know, almost like a uh, almost like a countdown clock to some big announcement for Cleveland. I really would have liked that a little bit to build up some anticipation, maybe get some fan interaction involved, get some suggestions. There's a lot of names that have been thrown around, perhaps like the Indians former name, which was the Spiders. There's been a lot of mock up drawings of logos that are pretty cool. But I don't know. The Cleveland Guardians. First things first, Tony, the name. What do you think? Love it. I love it. And I and I've been following we've been following this on our radio show for you know the last year. And we know that Cleveland has been polling the folks out in Cleveland about what they thought their their name should be. And it it two of the most popular names were the Spiders and the Guardians. And I like the Guardians, man. I think it's unique. You know, you don't have a mascot really uh cut from that cloth in Major League Baseball. 
And, you know, uh, besides it being time for a change in, in, from that standpoint, I think the Guardians represents the city so well, right? It, it's a blue-collar city. Um, and that name to me and to the people in Cleveland, I think it, it, it holds some weight. And so uh, I give the Cleveland Guardians huge marks on, you know, getting this right because they could have they could have screwed this up all sorts of ways. But um, I think they got it right. I really do. I, I like the name of Guardians. I think it flows right. I, I'm looking to see uh, what this mascot, I've seen some markups of, of what the, the mascot could look like or, or, or what the uh, the write-ups will be in terms of their logo. But um, I like it. I like the name a lot. I do. Me too. And uh, in fact, the creator of the TV show, How I Met Your Mother, Carter Bays, Two years ago, apparently he's, uh, I'm sorry, three years ago, apparently he's a huge Cleveland fan, and he wrote a long, long um, thread about coming up with an idea for a name, and in 2018, he actually wrote this, this was in actual April of 2018, wrote a long thread on why it should be called the Cleveland Guardians, and it turns out he really was pointing at the Hope Memorial Bridge, which is the bridge that takes you right to Progressive Field. There are two huge Art Deco uh, statues that are known as the Guardians of Transportation. And they do lead you right into the cathedral that is Progressive Field. So you know what? With that alone, it absolutely works. I love the name. I love the name because, you know, it's not a common name in sports. Right, it's not like a right. Wildcats. Yeah, it's something that, you know, you know, look around all the pro, pro sports. You don't see that name. I didn't like when they named them the Nationals all that much. It was not my favorite name, but I gave them at least credit being like, you know what? No one else has it. It's theirs. And I appreciate that they can build something that just belongs to them and their city alone. And I see that same thing right here with the Guardians, and I dig it. There is one thing I don't love. Give it to me. About it. And it's the the script, the way they write the word Guardians. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, and my that. reasoning being is that it still kind of has the same Cleveland Indians script, and I kind of don't think it fits for the word Guardians. I think they should change that. I, I don't mind them keeping the colors. You know, those colors are tried and true for that city. Um, I like the Cleveland script, and I like the new C, too. The new C is actually a really good-looking C. I look forward to seeing that in the hat. But for the love of God, if they put those two Gs with the wings and the baseball in the middle... I, I on a hat, I'm going to lose my mind. That is the worst logo I've ever seen in my life. First of all, shout out to you for even picking that up because I didn't even pick up the script in terms of how it was written. I was just so locked in on it being the Guardians and 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 being fascinated with the uniqueness of their name. But you're you're right. The G doesn't flow the same way the I and the S do on on Indians and. I hadn't noticed the script, but if they go with that script, I can imagine it looking kind of awkward, a little bulky with the way uh, they used the script when uh, when they were the Indians. So I hope they change it. They got a little time to figure it out, right? I hope they I hope they uh, take a look and maybe take a little look from about 10,000 feet and see that that is not quite the script they should go to. Uh, like I said, I didn't catch that until you just brought it up. But yeah, I, I would agree. They, they definitely... If they're going to go with a, a word like Guardians, it can't be the same script as it was before. It just won't look right. And you know what's funny? I, I've only gotten this argument from a couple of people. And they were like, I can't believe they're changing the name and the logo. And that's part of that's part of baseball history. Well, you know, I, I tend to believe that history is more important than baseball history. Um, <laughs> no doubt, right? Just my, just my own personal <laughs> thought. I don't know why I have that in my head. But it's not like it's not like the Cleveland Indians is a tradition of success. They've won right. one World Series in the past 
hundred years. They've changed their logo. They've had more different C logos than any like two teams combined. This is a team that's changed their logo once every three years for the past hundred years. <laughs> Them changing their logo and quite frankly changing their name is a very welcome thing to professional baseball, in my personal opinion. No, you're a thousand percent right. Uh, regular history takes precedent over the baseball history. And you're right. I, I, I also think that when you've had that many logo change, changes to your C, um, changes to your uniforms at this point, you kind of you kind of lose ground on the argument that, you know, it's baseball tradition. Clearly, Cleveland hasn't paid much attention to baseball traditions, considering how much they've changed things in their organization. So we'll just put that one to rest right now. Uh, that's that's just do you know what that is, Cody? That's that's just a lazy argument the baseball history argument. It's like the, the low hanging fruit that you can go for, but it doesn't hold any water. None, none at all. And like you said, it's not, it's not a tradition of winning. You want to build a new tradition, build a tradition of success in Cleveland. That's a city that is starved for more championships, especially on the baseball side. It's not like they've never been to the championships. It's not like they've never been to the world series. They just don't win the world series. Perhaps the guardians can finally win the world series. Let's move on to some trades. Ladies and gentlemen, we got our first big trades. We saw about a week and a half ago, Jock Peterson going from the Cubs, the first domino to fall. Maybe not the domino we expected to fall first, but the first domino to fall. Since then, some more dominoes have fallen. And right out the gate, I mean, I I, I actually had you on a show on Friday. We got to talk a little bit about Nelly Cruz going over to the Rays. What a huge move, in my opinion. And and really, a very non Rays move. Right, they, went, right. they went and got a big bopper that was out there and threw him right in the middle of the lineup. Didn't see it coming, and I am terrified for the AL East. You, you brought this up a few shows ago about the Rays being a a machine, basically. They plug guys in. It's a machine, and they just kind of plug and play. This is so not a machine move, uh, bringing in Boomstick, bringing in Nelson Cruz. Um, Just like you, I think it it caught most of the league by by surprise, right? Because the the Rays just kind of go along with their business. They do their thing. They win games, and sometimes you can't explain how they win them, but they do. They win a bunch of them. And so to go out and get a, a a bona fide bat like Nelson Cruz. By the way, this guy's forty, hitting three hundred with some with some damage. Um, this 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 team becomes a real big player uh, in the American League, and they already were a player. But now you add a guy like Nelson Cruz who has the ability to carry an offense by himself. Um, this is by far the best move. I think that's been made thus far and there's been some good ones, but this one's the best one because I think it's a, it could be a separator for, for the Rays in terms of that, that American league East division and beyond into the playoffs. Well, let's stick with the Rays because agree with you. I think this move was just this move. Honestly, threw me for a loop. I, I, when, when they got Nelson Cruz to the Rays, I spat out my drink and went, Oh no. Oh no. That never even came to my mind. That could ever possibly happen. That's watch out everybody, but sticking with the Rays, they made a trade for, uh, they moved Rich Hill over to the Mets, uh, for Tommy Hunter and double a catcher, Matt Dyer, which I think confirms double a catcher, Matt Dyer, 2023 and AL MVP, correct? (laughs) That's how it works with the Rays, right? Anytime they trade for anybody, they become a star. 
they fleece everybody. So, you know, I, I would be reluctant to deal with them at any point in time because I know I would feel like they know something I don't know every time. And that would scare me. That would scare me off of wanting to do deals with me. But nevertheless, this deal right here for giving up Rich Hill much more fits the the the, the Tampa Bay Rays MO, right? They move oh, yeah. a guy that could be helpful. They bring in a, a, a double A guy and a bullpen arm. And you're like, huh? What is, I don't get it, but we know from their track record, it may not show up right now, but it will show up eventually. And it probably will be along the lines of what you said. It'll, it'll be, the Matt Dyer will be somehow be in the rookie of the year uh, running uh, in the next year or the year, the year after. Uh, and you're like, oh, this is why they made that trail now in, trade. Now, in terms of the Mets, I actually like this deal. You can never have too many arms, especially starting pitching arms, especially when you got one of your arms that you have some question marks about, obviously they hope Degrom comes back, but to add a veteran like Rich Hill, who's pitched in the postseason, pitched in big games, I like this deal for the Mets. Is it the the deal that puts them over the top? No, but what it does is it gives them depth. It's something that they've lacked really on the pitching side of things, really all season long. Yet they've still sit above at first place in that National League East division, and I think adding a guy like Rich Hill. May not be the knockout move that the Mets uh, uh, Mets fans are looking for, but I do think it's a, a very, very quality move to bring him into that pitching rotation. I will actually go a, a step further. I won't say it's the knockout move because it's definitely not the knockout move. You know, we had Zach Scott on the show last week. Me and John Heyman uh, had the luxury of interviewing him, and he made it very clear that they are looking for starting pitching, and right away this Rich Hill thing comes along. Now, the Rich Hill move, I think, is actually bigger than Mets fans are even giving it credit for. No doubt. Because there's a couple things that Rich Hill does incredibly well. Incredibly well. He stays healthy and yep. he eats innings. Boom. And those are two things that this Mets team was desperate for. They needed a guy that can go out there. And he did it yesterday in his first out and goes deep into the sixth inning. One run ball game. Fantastic job right out the gate. He gave them everything they needed. Bullpen gave up some runs after the fact. And of course, they came back and won the game. This was a solid, solid pickup. But that being said, as we all know, Matt Dyer is going to be the greatest catcher and <laughs> position player in the history of baseball. I'm basing this only on the fact that the Rays acquired him. All facts. It's all facts. I can't it's even just, I can't even deny it. And for the Mets fans who are poo-pooing this Rich Hill, a la our producer, Dylan, uh just be cool, man. He he's already shown his worth in terms of getting deep in the games. And listen, what what I think people kind of overlook sometimes, Cody, is that one ability that you mentioned about eating innings. When you can eat innings, whether you're having a good start or a bad start. Guess who it helps out the most? The bullpen. Big time. That is, that's the thing you're trying to protect the most as you get into the postseason. You want those guys to be fresh. And if you have starters that are eating innings, and I, I know this because I'm kind of seeing it unfold here in San Diego because, you know, the bullpen has been used so much it, through the first half, they're starting to have some trip-ups all of a sudden. And you want to protect those guys because – the innings, as we get later in the season for the bullpen, only become high leverage innings. They're not. They're not going to be very many of those games where you could just bring guys in to 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 kind of bullpen dead. Like you got to you got to get away from the bullpen days come this time of year 
And having a guy like Rich Hill go a long way for the Mets, for sure. I got a, I got a comp for you, and it's not the sexiest comp, but it's a teammate, ex-teammate of mine, and probably an ex-teammate of yours, Tony. I, I, if I'm cu- counting the years uh, correctly, I think you come, uh, played with him at least one year in San Diego, and that's Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy, when he was a starter, he was so valuable because he could get you deep into games. He never really had blowout performances, especially right. in San Diego, but he ate a lot of innings and he took a lot of pressure off the defense and took a lot of pressure off the bullpen and that he was able to sign a $75 million deal with the Kansas City Royals because he was that valuable. Yeah, no, no, I, I didn't play with Ian, but faced him a lot. And that's a great comp. And it's a it's a big difference because in Ian's case, he didn't have the opportunity, other than his years, early years in, in, in Arizona, to pitch in a postseason. But those guys are far more valuable to teams that are going to be in the postseason. And I think that's a perfect comp for Rich Hill. Obviously, on the other side of things, uh, Rich Hill's a little bit older at this point, mm-hmm. it's, it's this stage in his career, but he's still valuable. And he proved that he proved that in his yesterday in his start yesterday. And Ian Kennedy is another name that might actually be moved as well. He's been rocking that closer spot lately, which he's done a pretty good job in yep. that hey, role. Code, the, the Padres could use a guy like Ian Kinsler. I mean, like Ian Kinsler, like Ian Kennedy. Because mm-hmm. they, they again, you get to this time of year, you can never have too many bullpen arms. Now, I know the Padres are in on starters, and that seems to be their focus right now after already pulling off a trade we're going to get into, I'm sure, here next. But... Um, I like I like Ian Kennedy out of bullpen. A because he's a former starter. I like guys who know how to pitch. They're just not out there throwing even when they have, you know, velo- top velocity and top and top, you know, secondary stuff. When you can know how to pitch as a closer, I think it what it does is it gives you another lane to get out. You don't just have to beat guys with your stuff. You can beat guys with your brain. And it's kind of of the same cloth of of Mark Melanson. He's not gonna overpower you with anything. But he knows how to pitch and he can get outs that way. I think I think Ian Kennedy kind of fits that same mold. Agreed. He's more or less. And this is I, I want to use this a little loosely. He is a pitching utility man. You could put him yeah. in any role. Yeah. And that's good point. You know, that just yeah, it just opens you up as a manager, as a team, as an organization of what you can do. It just gives you an extra way to beat a team, which is not a bad thing. But you just mentioned a <laughs> trade and we are talking about your Padres and ladies and gentlemen. I think the biggest trade trip, the uh, trade chip thus far has just dropped. And that is Frazier from the Pittsburgh Pirates to the San Diego Padres. To me, I kind of see this as another AJ Preller out of nowhere, just outflanked everyone again because he hasn't slept in a decade. Yeah, the, the chemist is at at work again uh, in his lab and he pulls off another one now. This is a terrific move in terms of talent. You bring a guy in who's leading the league in hits. Um, it has really been one of the more consistent hitters in all of baseball this season. But it does bring some questions. I, I, I have to say, uh, Frazier has played mo- mostly second base this year, if not all second base this year. Um, I know he can play the outfield or has played the outfield. Um but it does, it does, somebody's not going to be playing as often as they were playing uh, in San Diego, in that San Diego lineup. Who it is at this point, I don't know. Um, I have my guesses. It seems like this deal is move is, is catered toward either right field or first base. I don't know how it works out, but um, 
I guess if you're AJ Pearl, you could never have too much talent, right? And you, I guess you try to figure things out as you go. But uh, Cody, as you know, you you've been on a team for all year, and you've been playing all year, and all of a sudden a trade is made, and somebody's not going to be playing. They don't have enough spots on the field for for all these guys. It can have a it can not saying it will. It can have an impact on a locker room, which then has an impact on how you go out and play. I, it very much can. And yes, you mentioned the two positions that this will definitely affect. But to me, in my eyes, it really affects one a bit more than the other. And that would be first base. It's yeah. looking like Eric Hosmer might be, as, which is kind of interesting for a guy that is labeled to be a team leader and a clubhouse leader. He might be odd man out and be running pinch hitting duty, which is not exactly something you'd expect to say about a guy who is on an eight year, $130 million contract which is a bit surprising, but look at the infield right now. You take Hosmer out of there at first base, you're looking at this infield. Manny Machado, all-star, third base. Fernando Tatis Jr., starting shortstop, all-star at shortstop. Frazier, starting second baseman for the all-star team at second base. Right. Jake Cronenworth, all-star at first base. You have an all-all-star infield now that... I, I know, I, listen, I like Eric Hosmer. I like him on and off the field, Me but too. this is an upgrade. This is just an upgrade, in, and as much as we want to say how much we love Haas, the team's got to win, and this is a much better team. The team, it is. You can't, you can't deny that. I mean, here's the thing. A.J. Preller traded basically three uh, minor leaguers, one who is a legitimate prospect and Tuka Pita Marcano we got a chance to see him a lot so he's a good player I think he's got a chance to be very good but the possibility he's also received 1.4 million dollars and you brought this up before we came on uh Ken Rosenthal is is reporting Padres are willing to go through the luxury tax and possibly if they can get a buyer on this move Eric Hosmer listen I, I've always said when this move deal was made he made I think it was 20 plus through the first four years. He's got four years remaining at about 12. Much easier uh, dollar to move, but not the perfect situation to move a contract, right? Um, But it just shows the willingness and the recognition that the window is now uh, that the Padres are not only willing to to move a guy like Hosmer, according to, to Ken Rosenthal, but also exceed that luxury tap. I've never in my wildest dreams, and Cody, you've been in the organization, in my wildest dreams would have ever thought Padres and going past luxury tech would be mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> the Padres? The team we played for? No. Never. Never. No, this is a different franchise than the one we played for. To say the least, these guys are going for it, and they have money. And here's the thing. When we played for them, they had money. But yeah. they, they never would have spent it. This is a team. This is just a different franchise. And I, I come on as a baseball fan. You got to love it. You just got to love a team that is not that is willing to go the extra mile. And at the end of the day in San Diego, it's a one team city now. It right. Is one stop shopping. You got the Padres and they need to win. The funny thing is I that could that is to me what is driving all of this is the recognition that. From a business standpoint, this is the only team in town, and you have a chance to just capture the whole landscape uh, here in San Diego by winning. And for the first time, maybe other than the the, the two years 
in in the 90s and 96 and 98 and a couple years in the early 2000s. This is the first time. And, you know, I can't even count a couple years in 2000s because they weren't willing to spin like they are now. There's a clear recognition that there is a gaping hole here in San Diego that can be filled with Padres. And it seems like Peter Seidler, A.J. Preller, and his crew recognize that and are going all in. I am so interested and will have my eyes peeled to the TV to see exactly what happens over the next four or five days because I think the Padres are going to be extremely active. And based on what we saw in last year's deadline from them, you can't put anything, you can't put anything out of the realm with these guys. You know, it's so funny. We're, ta- I'm, we're about to go over the big names that are left on the trade market. And we're going to go over who we, where they think they're going to go, who they think they can best help, who needs them the most. But I do want to go back a little bit here on Eric Cosmer because I just, this just came to my mind. I just, just thinking out loud. Give it to me. Is there a team that could use Eric Cosmer? Because listen, I know, I feel like I've always, I come off as harsh on Eric Cosmer. And it's only because of the amount of money that the Padres, who at the time never spent money, and they spent a ton of money on Eric Cosmer, which you actually mentioned probably possibly was the thing that led to the floodgates opening up, bringing in Machado and leading to the success that they're having right now. And that is an extremely valid point. Extremely valid. But I was never able to justify the production for the amount of money. However, he is having a good year. He's hitting 266. He has uh, nearly 50 RBIs. It's not by any stretch of the imagination a bad year, but for the amount of money that he's making, it's just not what you want out of the first baseman. You want a lot more production. However, there is a team right out my head, right out the gate that I can think of that could feasibly use him. And it's a team that needs left-handed hitters, has a little bit of a hole at first base due to injuries and has a park that is made for lefties. Why wouldn't the New York Yankees trade for Eric Cosmer? That is a that is a, that is a good question. I, I listen, the Yankees at this point should be turning over all rocks in 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 anything that they could figure out to try to make get this team going. I mean, the 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 debacle they had yesterday, I mean, they had a a, a no-hitter going into the 8th or ninth inning and they lose that game. Um they need to do something. That I hadn't thought about that, but they certainly I don't who's playing first base for them right now? It's a bunch of people because Voigt keeps getting Voigt's hurt. hurt they, yeah. Yeah. So they just it's just been a revolving door of guys. And quite frankly, you know, I'm looking at that going, they need left-handed bats. They just don't have left-handed bats. Their left-handed bat is Gardner. My God. And every time I look at Gardner, I forget that he didn't retire seven years ago. I love Brett Gardner, <laughs> but for the love of God, that's your left-handed bat, Yankees? I, let's let's get a little bit of younger in here, and let's maybe bring in an Eric Hosmer, because Hosmer, who is not really a power guy, he does he can hit for some pop. He put him in Yankee Stadium. He might get himself an extra five, six to ten homers. Listen, I... I, I Again, I think the Yankees would benefit from it, especially in that yard. But I, I as I I am a big I pay a lot of attention to chemistry on a team. And from everything I heard, Adam Frazier is a great clubhouse guy. But I know having, you know, been around this team all year, I know the influence and the weight that Eric Hosmer holds in that locker room. And it's and a lot of the young guys love and respect him. And so I'm I will be interested and will be watching closely to see how this kind of comes to comes to shape here because um I've been in locker rooms where things are going great, you make a move, and even if the guy is a great guy, it just it's a different feel in the clubhouse. You you've you've been riding with guys all year long, 
you had these these conversations during spring what we wanted to do and um you know business and wins kind of kind of kind of interfere sometimes in terms of trying to get to where where you're trying to go so we'll see how this one goes there are certainly some big names though remaining one of the big names remain is Trevor Story and from what i hear the Padres have discussed bringing him in and having him play center field. Now, I don't know where that goes, but that's just the kind of, I guess, open-mindedness that A.J. Preller has when it comes to making his team better. See, this is where I get I get a little bit away from the mad scientist type of things that A.J. Preller does. Because in a pennant race, in a division like that, I am a little more hesitant than I think A.J. Preller is to bring <laughs> right. in a guy who does not play center field to then <laughs> play center field during our pennant race. You, bit of an ask. Bit you, of an ask. You cannot be lying at all on that because I thought the same thing. I was like, I asked, I turned to, I turned to my, my partner and I said, has, I've, I don't remember Trevor Story ever playing center field. I, I remember as a shortstop from day one. He's like, yeah, he was. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we'll see where this one goes. We'll see where this it's one like goes, it, but you're right. Your defense... You can't just throw the defense out the out the window come pennant race time. It's kind no, of important. no. You just got Adam Frazier. It's like somebody came up to AJ Preller and be like, "Hey, we just got Frazier. Great. Can he pitch?" <laughs> <laughs> no, he's an infielder. That's why we got him. Right. So if you go get Trevor Story, I, I I don't know. Play Trevor Story where Trevor Story plays, and, but you can't because you got Tatis and you got the right. arguably the most ridiculous infield in baseball now. So I don't know how that's a fit, but Trevor Story is definitely an intriguing name, and other names that teams have been linked to him. A team that doesn't make sense to me. The New York Yankees are heavily linked to him right now. Another right-handed bat, another infielder to play shortstop and possibly second base that I just don't really think they need. It doesn't really address the problems of that team right now. I think they need bullpen arms and they need a left-handed bat in there. Um, but where do you think Trevor Story's going to end up? And do you think there's a possibility that the Colorado Rockies could botch this enough that Trevor Story ends up staying on that team this year? No disrespect to the Rockies, but are we even allowed to t remove them from botching anything after what we've seen from them over the last couple of years? I think not. I think it's well within their their means to botch it. I hope they don't for their own organizational, uh, you know, their own organizational growth. I hope they don't botch it. And for Trevor Story, I hope they don't botch it. I hope he gets to go. Somewhere. Either way, Trevor Story is going to be fine. Eventually, he becomes a free agent, and he pick wherever he wants to go. So um, I don't know where the good fit is for him. I, you, you hear the Yankees. They certainly are a team um, that, you know, has always really been rumored to him because of, of Trevor Story's love for, for Derek Jeter. He grew up a big Derek Jeter fan. Uh, I'm sure the, the Yankees at this point are desperate and, and could try anything. But you're right. It doesn't really address – their needs. I don't know where the for as good of a player and Trevor Story's an all star, right? He's, he's mm -hmm. one of the best shortstop. Again, I don't know that there is a simple fit for him anywhere, right? Dodgers don't need him. They got Seager. Uh, the I, I guess the Giants could use him, but they don't really need him. Crawford's having a good year. Doesn't really fit their mo a uh, as well. Um, you look into that central. Obviously, you know, the Cardinal, everybody seems to have a shortstop that they, you know, that's in a contending spot. So I don't know that there's exactly an easy fit for him anywhere. And I think that's probably why we're hearing the Yankees so much, because really they're the only ones that can absorb it, A. And um, B, 
they could move uh, Gabriel Torres from short, who struggled at that spot this season. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what the exact spot is. What do you think? You know, I it, it, like you said, there's no there's no one in the league that I'm seeing just like, okay, that's a fit. Go there. Done and done and done. But I also think Trevor's story has been a bit of a victim of the season that two other guys have had, and that is Frazier and Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant has, I think, been the probably the biggest thorn in Trevor Story's uh, side this season because not only has Chris Bryant come out of the out of the gates with a huge year and back to form, but he's also playing more positions than he's ever played. He actually has been playing center field, left field, right field, first base, third base. He's moved all over the place. I think Chris Bryant has made himself just too valuable. Where Trevor Story, I feel like who is valuable, hasn't shown what tre- what you know Chris Bryant is doing this season. So I I just personally think somehow that might have hurt Story a little bit. Yeah, you might be right. And, and listen, I think in terms of Chris Bryant, I I personally believe he's looking forward to wherever he's going because I I just feel like he would like to play one position. He would like to settle in at one spot. Obviously, the time to play multiple positions multiple positions now when you're trying to get traded. Um, you're trying to get moved. Having you know a bunch of different gloves in your locker benefits you, especially when you're having the offensive year that you're having. So I, I think you might be right. It could be pigeonholing Trevor's story because you know he plays shortstop, and right now there are a bunch of shortstops, especially on the teams that are winning, that are that are solid, if not mm-hmm. solid, great shortstop. So he's he's a tough one, but Chris Bryant. He's clearly the name that is going to, uh, I think, garner the most attention. Maybe aside from Kimbrough, and I think also because the Cubs have struggled, it's pretty. Been, it's been easy to uh, point out their years because it's been clear almost from the start that the Cubs wanted to move these guys, and now we're we're starting to see that come to fruition. I don't know if you guys just saw this came across my phone. Uh, via MLB Network, Dodgers and Padres are amongst the teams engaging in trade talks with the Twins for Jose Barrios. And that, to me, the Padres can get that guy? <clears throat> Watch out. That is a That would be a huge pickup in San Diego. And quite frankly, based on this season right now that's going on in, for the Dodgers, and quite frankly, this last yep. week, the Dodgers, whew, could the Dodgers use Barrios? Oh, my God, yes, Except you what, The Twins are, 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 are about to run up the, the score here if, if they have those teams, two teams involved in it. Because both of those te- two teams, by the way, are chasing the Giants right now. Mm-hmm. And so they can add that kind of starting pitching. It's going to be interesting to see if that comes to fruition – who wins that uh who wins that battle cuz they both I think they Padres probably more so than the Do- than the Dodgers cuz the Dodgers they got depth on their own but mm-hmm. the Padres definitely need a guy like Barrios in in that rotation for sure and but I'm not a guy I've never been a guy that goes like well teams need to block trades this might be one of those trades that the Dodgers yeah, need to absolutely, block like, absolutely. this might be like we cannot allow this to take place um type situation but going back to Chris Bryant man <clears throat> just endless suitors for him. But in my mind, there is just no better, better place for him than Queens, New York yeah, Mets. It is a that. perfect, perfect, perfect fit. But here's the thing. He's got a teammate that I think is also a perfect fit with the Mets. We had Zach Scott on last week. I even broached the subject, bringing up the fact that Kimbrell would be a great fit in New York, especially with Edwin Diaz's latest struggles. He did say that he's very comfortable with Edwin Diaz in that closer spot. So I assuming he was lying. Um, cause there's no way anyone could feel that comfortable with Edwin Diaz, especially since his numbers have dropped off so drastically since the, uh, pitcher, uh, crackdown. 
But I just look at Craig Kimbrell and Chris Bryant would be unbelievable fits in New York. And the fact that he has that history with Craig Kimbrell with the Boston Red Sox makes it just seem like it's just everything about this would be huge, not only for the Mets, but if the Mets have some uh, you know prospects in the cupboard, this could be a massive, massive overhauling for the Cubs. Listen, uh, can you imagine Diaz as your eighth inning guy and Kimbrell as your ninth? I mean, that's his... That's as tough of an 8-9 combo. I think it takes the pressure off of Diaz. I like, if they pull off Bryant and Kimbrell, the East is a wrap. There's no one coming back from those two moves, especially when DeGrom comes back healthy. It's it's a wrap at that point. And I like both of those guys in a Mets uniform. I think having seen the Mets twice already this year, it fits perfectly. Um and as as I was saying, I think it takes the pressure off of Diaz having to close out games, put him in that in that setup role, and then guess what? It slots everybody else down. May has to slide down, and so now you have what they what, what you value in this league most in the bullpen is depth. You got a mm-hmm. bunch of arms, bunch of good arms, and now a guy who has pitched in those pressure cooker moments and has thrived in them. Uh, can do it again, and especially with the way Kimbrel's thrown the ball this year, this seems to be the old Kimbrel. After really taking about a year and a half to find himself, he seemed that he seemingly has done so. And if he can get, if the Mets can pull off those deals, it, as I said, the National East is it's a wrap. That being said, what I think is going to happen, I do think Bryant is going to be a Met. I think Kimbrel is going to end up in Philadelphia. I really don't think see the Phillies allowing him to go anywhere else. And that division, like we've talked about for weeks, is anyone's division based on what happens in this next five, six days. I think he ends up in Houston. I really do. Ooh. I think I think Kimbrough ends up in Houston. They got enough young arms that they could package a deal and bring them in, and they need bullpen help badly. I think their starters are good enough to get them where they want to go. Don't know what the word is on Verlander, if he'll be able to make it back before the end of the year, but they need bullpen. And if they can get a, a back-end guy like Kimbrell, I'm telling you, man, that team is – is their offense is already elite and probably amongst the best, if not the best offense in the league. They can put up runs. The question is, can they hold leads? And you get a guy like Kimbrell, that automatically puts you into that spot. I, I can see him going to Houston. That would be devastating. To the AL West. That'd yeah, be devastating to baseball. Baseball, if, yeah. If he ends up on that team. Because I've not been quiet how scared I am of that Astros team. And especially if they get completely healthy. And then and you add a Kimbrel on the Met. Oh, man. October is going to. I hate the Astros. I'll, I'll say it. I'll do it. <laughs> I hate the Astros. I don't want this to happen. Please don't happen. I'll do it. I don't care. I'll put my, I'll put my stamp on it. Listen, uh, well, the, the, the only thing that it keeps me from hating is the fact that Dusty Baker is their manager. Okay, but, I take that back. Dusty Baker <laughs> is the coolest man on planet Earth. I freely admit that. But there's, there's a lot of things to hate about yes. the Astros for sure. But yes, okay, you, you found the one thing. It is Dusty Baker. I will never root against Dusty Baker. He's the coolest man who ever lived. Uh, let's look at another big name. And here's the thing. This is one of those things that, you know, you've always said from the beginning of the year. The Nats don't sell. And you are right. They do not have a history of selling. However, we are coming up to the trade deadline. The Nats are currently in the anemic National League East, and they are eight games back, and they stumbled out of the gate after the All-Star break, which is not what they wanted to do. However, 
It's not out of the realm that they can't compete. They really could. They're eight games back. It's not likely, but this is no more dire than it was two years ago when they won the World Series. Max Scherzer is a name that's out there. Max Scherzer is a guy that everybody would want on their team. Do you see Max Scherzer, any possibility of wearing a different jersey by the end of this week? I I, I know things are rough for them. I just have a hard time seeing Mike Rizzo pull the trigger on any of these things. Now, I'm just kind of confused where the Nationals are in general, right? There's reports mm-hmm. coming out that they don't want to extend Trey Turner. And I can't figure out for the life of me why you don't do that. I understand you got, you're going to have to extend Soto at some point. If, if he's open to that. But I don't understand some of their moves. In particular, it's as much as I say that they don't sell, and that's based on the evidence we've seen, this would be a perfect time to do so. There doesn't seem to be any... There's no signs that this team is about to just get hot. Like, the year they won the World Series, it didn't last into August when they were playing bad baseball. They started to show signs of life in late June, into July. We haven't seen any of those signs. And as you mentioned, they came out of the break and they stumbled out of the blocks. They lost two or three of the pods to start and they have just really not looked good since uh, we started the second half. So I guess if you pin me down, yeah, I could I could see Scherzer being in a different uniform this year because it just doesn't seem like there's any life. I think they have to keep in mind that you do have Turner and Soto who would be two really good pieces to have in your in your locker room for a long mm-hmm. time um and so you may have to move scherzer in order to start doing that i mean he's at the end of his deal anyway the deal uh i've seen that they pulled back on on steven strasburg's throwing program so who knows where he's at in terms of this year so it seems like if there's going to be a year in which the nationals sell this would be the season i give you i'm gonna give you a, a scene in a movie have you ever i'm assuming you've seen trading places with eddie murphy Absolutely. And, one of my favorite movies of all time of course i can't get enough of that movie ever i can watch it right now in fact after i'm done with the show i might be watching trading places but there is a moment in that movie that i think could happen in real life and remember that moment when dan Aykroyd officially announces on the trade floor selling selling orange juice and everybody goes absolutely ate shit yeah yeah if mike rizzo in the next three days says max scherzer available it's going to be an eruption of everybody throwing prospects at every direction it's going to be absolute mayhem that is arguably that would be not the biggest piece that might be the biggest piece of the last four years entering the trade market let let me tell you something jed hoyer is the most popular gm in the in, in school right now if 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 Mike Rizzo comes out and he yells exactly those words, Max Scherzer open for sale. That will be he will become the new favorite GM in in class. And you're right, this is one of the biggest pieces. And just think about what we're saying here. You got guys like Trevor Story, Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, uh, amongst the names that are being talked about to be traded. Yet Max Scherzer still reigns over all those guys. You're absolutely right. If he does become available. There will be prospects galore thrown at him, which, by the way, is the new currency in baseball. It's 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 not money. It's it's prospects. If you have that, you've got money. You've got value. And so you'll see some of the biggest, baddest prospects being talked about in terms of if Max Scherzer is available for trade. There is no doubt in my mind. Because every name you just mentioned, Kimbrell, Bryant, Story, uh, we're going to mention like Baez, Buxton, and Marte in a second here. 
All those names are incredible names that can impact a baseball game. None of yep. them can get on the mound and throw eight innings shutout baseball for you in October. And only Max Scherzer can give you that. And that yeah, is no enormous. Uh, we just mentioned it, Sterling Marte. You know, I brought up a team to you. Like, I wasn't really seeing a market for Sterling Marte, uh, especially after he turned down the money from the Marlins, which I thought that money was an actual fairer uh, market value. I think he, I appreciate the fact that he's betting on himself. However, I really think the Atlanta Braves could really, really use Sterling Marte. Right-handed power bat after losing Acuna Jr. Uh, I, I think that would be a huge pickup for the Braves right now because, you know, the Braves still aren't in sell mode. They're still in this. Yeah, no, and, and no disrespect. I mean no disrespect when I say this, but he, he is a poor man's Ronald Acuna Jr. is what mm -hmm. Sterling Marte is. He does some of the same things, just not as consistent as we've seen Acuna do it. And so if you're the Braves and you feel like you still have a legitimate shot, and they do, by the way, you absolutely go go out and, and, and get a guy like Sterling Marte. I think a couple of things have have kind of you know shown that the Braves are, are not out of this. Um, I don't know if you've seen the last two starts from Tuki Tucson. Oh, he has uh, looked star. like a he's looked like a star, is how he, he's he, looked these two starts. This this young kid has been waiting his turn for a while. He got it basically via injury. And has he, I saw him a start against the Padres, looked dominant. Start yesterday, I think he gave up one run in seven innings. He's gone seven his first two outings out and has looked tremendous. So um, I think that's been a, 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 a positive thing for the Braves to kind of get their mojo going. Their, their pitching is, is showing up for them right now. They can add a bat like Marte. We just, Padres just played them in, in, in Miami. He can play, man. He's always been able to play. Uh, mm -hmm. and he, if he's on a team that's actually pretty good and has a decent lineup, he can be even better. So, um, I, I like the move. I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up last week, but he certainly fits the Mets and, and really what they're missing. I, I like the Jock Peterson move. That's a great move for that squad, but it's not the piece that can fill somewhat of the void left by Ronald Acuna Jr. Because with Marte, you get all those things. You get the defense. You get the base running. You guy can steal a bag. Uh, you get the power. You get a guy who can still who can hit for average. You get all of that. Not as good as Ronald Acuna by any stretch of the imagination, but a very, very good player at the big league level. Um, and I think it would be a good fit, no doubt. And not only that, it's not even on our list, but Adam Duvall is a name that's been thrown out there quite a bit. And that's a guy I think could help a ball club as well. Uh, probably not going to take a huge haul to get him over to your team. Honestly, you could probably get him for just cash considerations. And um, that's a guy who has 20 bombs this year. You, any team could use 20 bombs off the bat, I think. There's, there's, uh, three, sorry, guys, the bench. there's three guys uh, in that lineup that may not be there after deadline. We mentioned Marte. Uh, you, you just you just missing Duvall, who's amongst the leaders in home runs and RBIs, and then you had Jesus Aguilar, who's also mm -hmm. leading the league in RBIs. Those three guys can help a team. And in the last two we mentioned, Duvall and Aguilar, you're probably not going to have to give up a whole bunch to get those guys either. But they'll be extremely valuable to your team. So as we've gotten closer, as we've gotten closer to the deadline, more teams who have pieces available are starting to become a little bit more clearer. And uh, and that's why I think this this trade deadline is going to be going to be spectacular. I know one of the next names we're getting ready to talk about is Byron Buxton. Right. And uh, man, I think Minnesota, they, they dropped the ball on this one. That that seven year, 79 or 81 million dollars uh, deal. I get he hasn't been healthy all year, but when he is. He is a guy, we talked about a guy who can who can 
change the outlook of your team, who can impact the game, he can do that. And I think at least starting with a one in front of, of whatever offer you gave him would have probably done them better justice. But it looks like he might be a piece that's, that could be on the move too. If he was, it could be a tremendous piece. However, I just don't see them pulling the trigger. I can't see the Twins moving them. I think the Twins are going to get something done with this kid. It's just not going to happen in the next month. But That's fair. I just can't imagine them moving this player, a player of this caliber. This player leaves the Twins and becomes the star that he is very capable of becoming. The, the Minnesota Twins fans are going to hold this over their heads forever. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is not a guy who you want to let go. And you're right. This could just be the first the offer of many that um, the twins are are, are are looking at. But you're right; they it, it's hard to see them moving a guy like Byron Buxton. I mean, he he just seems to fit that organization well. And whether it's done now or done down the line, I think you you have the conversation with him. Like let's let's get you healthy, let's get you back on there, and then let's talk about this later. Uh, and, and with no intention of moving him, I, I think. You're right. I, I should be fair. I shouldn't say they dropped the ball yet because it's not over. But the first offer was a pretty, pretty ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. Really ridiculous. <laughs> you, you, you're not giving that guy a you're, you're giving that guy over one hundred million dollars. You right. are giving That's... him. There is no this isn't even a question. You're giving him one hundred million. Eric Hosmer got one hundred million dollars. You're giving Buxton one hundred million dollars. <laughs> I just can't stress that enough. Uh, God, this. Right. I feel so bad. This is like I. This is not meant to be an anti Eric Hosmer show. I like Eric Hosmer. He's a good ball player, but yeah, they, they, listen. I I just there's no way I could see this happening. I'm going to use an example on this, and this ha- having doing it, being doing a show on 670 The Score in Chicago. There is a name that they just do not want to hear if you're a White Sox fan, and that is Fernando Tatis Jr. That is just yeah, a name that immediately gives everybody in Chicago <laughs> chills. They're like, no, no, not that name. I bet. Here's, you here's imagine, the difference. Could you imagine where the White Sox would be right now with him on their squad? Oh, my God. They would they would, they would, would have already hit 100 wins, which is amazing. I don't even think they played 100 they games would, yet. They would be like those Oakland teams in the 90s where it was, yeah. just, it, was, it was just domination. It was a complete surprise when they got beat that one World Series, but – that's how good they would be if they had Fernando Tatis Jr. Thankfully for us in San Diego, they don't. Yeah, but that, that's what you're. But here's the difference between Byron Buxton and Tatis. Tatis was 16 and completely unproven, and no one knew about him or anything like that. We know what what Buxton can do. We know exactly what he's capable of. If you willingly do not retain that in Minnesota. Minnesota is just going ahead and making their own bed for the next five to seven years. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's no question. Byron Buxton is, is is an elite talent, and when he's healthy, he's a top ten guy in the league, in my opinion. I agree. Um, last name on this list, Javi Baez, and I'm saving him from last because I think Javi Baez is going to be a Cub for the foreseeable future. I think he's going to be one of the guys that are going to extend for a while along with Rizzo. Yeah. I think those two guys are just going to be the face of Chicago going forward. I can't imagine either of those two guys being moved. Yeah, I I can't see it either. You can't. This is the, a Cubs organization, especially after winning the World Series, isn't the type of organization that um, can have their cupboards bare, completely bare. You might be able to. You, you can get away with one or two stars and then you know fillings everywhere else, but they certainly can't uh, afford in that city with that fan base to um, 
be completely bare and go prospects only. You got to have some guys there. I think I agree. It, it's always been hard, honestly, to see Rizzo or Bryant not in a Cub uniform, even as conversations have, you know, negotiations have, have kind of faltered on both sides. Um, I, I just can't see those guys in different uniforms. I can't. Same. Just uh, I. It's funny because we've seen we've seen Rizzo in a different uniform. He played for the Padres coming up and he made it the big leagues with the Padres. But for whatever reason, every time I see a picture of him in a Padre uniform, there's something about it that looks like it was a video game that someone made a trade. Right. And like that's <laughs> not correct. You don't look correct in navy blue and white of the Padres five years ago. He only looks right wearing blue and red in Chicago. I can't imagine it being anything else. But last segment of the day, real quick, honestly. Who's going to be the winners of this trade deadline? Who do we think are going to be the biggest traders? Who's going to make bring in the biggest haul? Which teams are going to walk away from this trade trade deadline as the winners? I think it's going to be the Padres and Mets. I really do. I think they are the most motivated. I think they have the biggest holes. Of, I shouldn't say hole. They have to fill voids faster and better in order for the Mets to, to pull away for in the national league is for the Padres to catch the Dodgers and giants. I think mm -hmm. they, I think both of those teams actually have to be winners in order to get where they're trying to go. I mean, we started this season in terms of the Padres talking world series. And I think in order to, for them to get there, they're going to have to be the winners again, like they were in 2020 of the trade deadline. They're just going to have to. And, and I think the same goes for the Mets. I think the Mets, have a little more wiggle room in terms of winning their division because I think the other teams are are have shown that they're lackluster to this point. Um, but I think both of those teams have to be winners when it's all said and done. Here's why I think it's going to be the Mets a little bit more than the Padres. I think the Padres okay. aren't done because it's A.J. Preller. You know A.J. Preller is going to do everything he possibly can. So I just have the Padres as a foregone conclusion that they're going to absolutely do something really spectacular. And they already got Frazier, and I definitely don't think they're done. However, I think there is more demand on the Mets to do this right now. This has been a controversial year. This has been a team that goes through a, a long, painstaking process to get to new ownership. There was yeah. controversy within the new ownership. There was controversy in the GM hire and everything that happened with uh, Jared Porter. There was controversy in the signing where that ended up with Bauer saying he was coming to the Mets and then going to the Dodgers. And so there was that catastrophe for the Mets. There has been injuries to their star players all year. Their offense has been bad. Their their bullpen has just not been enough yet they're still in first place and they have a lot of money to play with and there's excitement in queens that fan base is desperate for this team to go to the playoffs and i think they have to pull out all the stops to get it done this season i think there's a lot of pressure on zach scott to get it done and i think he's going to get it done however i think the two biggest winners of this uh this uh trade deadline i think should be the mets and the Minnesota Twins. I think the Twins should move just about anyone they can with the exception of Buxton, and I think they should get a hell of a haul and really, really set themselves up nicely for the next five to six years. See, that's, that's why you're so, you're so talented, Cody. You're thinking outside the box. I'm only thinking about people who are making the trades, not the ones who are giving up the players in return. And you're right. Minnesota has a chance to be – I mean, they've already got rid of Nelson Cruz, right? And although mm – -hmm. I kind of, I kind of raise my eyebrows because you're trading with Tampa. Tampa usually yes. wins their trade, so I don't know what the Twins got back in return. <laughs> in return right? um, uh, and then you, you still have Josh Donaldson, who's available, can help a team in a major way. 
right? You you, you you still have a few of those. We talked about Barrios in that rotation. Pineda is another guy. So you, there's a bunch of, of, of arms, bats that they have that should they move all of them as long as they did their homework on who they're getting back, they should they they could very well be winners. I didn't think of it from that standpoint. I was only thinking of the teams who were in contention trying to make the trades, but you're right. Tony, that's why they pay me the no bucks here on big time baseball, <laughs> baby. The no bucks. Guys, huh? this has been yeah. <laughs> guys, this has been an incredible show. I loved everything we we're discussing here today. This has been big time baseball. Guys, like, share, and subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Decker Six and Antihero Baseball. And Tony, where can they find you? You can find me at Tony Gwynn Jr. on uh, excuse me on Twitter and on IG. You can find me at Tony underscore Gwynn Jr. on Instagram. And most importantly, catch his show on The Fan in San Diego, not to mention him calling all these Padre games. He's absolutely crushing it. I cannot be happier for you, man. You are going to be the next major voice of Major League Baseball when it comes to play-by-play. You make the games that much more fun, and you guys got to check him out in San Diego on Bally Sports. That's it for us this week, guys. We'll see you next week. Tony, you're the man. Thank you. Appreciate it, Cody, as always. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.